You can level up your turtle, Tricky. And you can play as Casey Jones. You love Casey Jones. Yes. You can. It's true. Okay, I just went to buy it, and my browsers tell me that I don't have permission on this server. Well, you don't have to buy anything if you were the owner of an Xbox, because it's on Game Pass. For free. We don't talk about that here. <laughs> you are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Steve, and Sid. And welcome to Yours. This is episode 529. I'm your host, Tricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. And for once in a blue moon, that intro is dead on the money. Why do you have to spoil it? You, okay, you created a poll on the Trophy Yours Facebook page, and I'm like, I, I'm just trying to be funny, okay? That's my goal every time when I do these, these you know, introductions is try to be funny, be witty. Doesn't always work. Probably half the time doesn't work, but I think I nailed this week. All right, and he is the master of the dual screens. He's the reason why we have that intro. It's Mister Stephen Fontana. Yeah, I, I think I think you could probably get rid of that intro. Uh, at least the Steve part. People do be confused. Hello, everybody. It's me. It's Steve of DualScreens.com. Hello, how are you? Uh, Steve, or what we could also do is pay you licensing fees to use your name in the intro. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I mean, I, I think we should be avoiding all confusion. Well, Steve, I mean, as somebody said in the comments, uh, they've been listening to the show for two years and they have no idea who the hell you are. So why don't you tell the people who you are? Two years. I feel like I've been on the show more, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm Steve Fontana, a.k.a. Batchild. I am co-founder of DualScreens.com, uh, which uh, is a previews, reviews, interviews uh, website and YouTube channel um, where we have three podcasts uh, that we do, our flagship being the Dual Screens podcast, which is an interview podcast where we interview indie developers, voice actors, uh, producers, all sorts of people who make video games each and every week. Uh, we also have a gaming news podcast that touches all three major, um, plat well, four major platforms, including PC, um, and that's called the Dual Screens Crossplay Podcast. And then, of course, we have a brand new indie game-focused podcast. Uh, where we talk about indie news, previews, and reviews called Indies Nuts Podcast. Um, and you can find everything at dualscreens.com. But yeah, that's that's who I am. Yeah. Uh, Andy, who was your partner on the sh on uh, in your venture over there, he uh, came on right as you guys were uh, debuting uh, Indies Nuts. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we, we had uh, – we were about two months into that run right now. Um, show's doing really well. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun because we, we basically, I mean, we've been covering indies for at the beginning of our show, really. Um, when we started at, on Proven Gamer as Nintendo dual screens, we kind of out of necessity had to start covering indies because that's really all that was coming out on the Switch. It was just an indie game machine and indie developers were making 
money hand over fist because there wasn't too much on that system. So we wound up uh, getting close with that indie game community because of the Nintendo Switch. And then we realized these people have stories to tell. So we started doing interviews. And then one thing led to another. We were like, well, there's indie developers making stuff for every system. So let's shift our focus to just indie games in general. Um, and so that's kind of like where where we are now uh in in the thick of it now we're we're approaching our fifth year doing this we have over 313 interviews uh i say over 313 because that was the last time i counted and i know i think andy did a couple today uh solo um but yeah we we've been doing that for quite a long time now and uh it's it's a it's a great you know we go to pax we interview developers all over pax and we're going to be going to pax west and uh e3 when it returns um hopefully we get into there but yeah, that's that's our focus. Our focus is the indie games. Um, but of course, my roots are in PlayStation and my roots are in uh, Trophy Horse. So here we are. Uh, you still only have, uh, as we do our updated Trophy count, the same number of Platinums you had the last time. So <laughs> Yes, uh, full disclosure, I am not a Platinum Hunter. I play, I play and cover way too many games to care about that in, in that way. Um, you know, I, I think three of my platinum trophies are those dumb like Mayo games and yada yada. So like I don't I, I don't take it seriously at all. So if you're looking for that kind of uh, expertise, that's not me. Um, I am a uh, I have a wide variety of information and, and knowledge as it comes to the indie game scene. And, you know, uh, I have a educated opinion and, and thoughts on what's going on in the in the industry in general. So Steven's a serial podcaster. I am. I do do. I do a lot, a lot of podcasts. Uh, some would say too many, and to them, I say shut it. I'm not going to say too many. Maybe too many for <laughs> me because one sometimes one a week is like, oh my god, we're doing this again. This felt like yesterday. So I can only imagine what you feel like with three. It's and it's not even three because so we are on the dual screens podcast, which is the interview show. We are. We have eleven episodes in the can. Um, so we are set through September, but we're still recording one to two interviews a week. There was one week where we recorded six interviews uh, right before PAX. So like sometimes we'll just I'll literally be doing anywhere between four and ten podcasts a week um, at various times, whether it's, you know, early in the morning, late at night, because we interview people all over the world. So We'll have people that are on completely different time zones. We'll have to get up at seven o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, or we'll have to stay up till one in the morning. You know, it, it all depends, but it's worth it because the stories need to be told. That's why we do it. We want the stories to be told and heard. Um, yeah, so that's why we do it. All right. Speaking of trophy count, which I mentioned five minutes ago, uh, I am level 683 total trophies of 16,745. With 372 Platinums. Alex? Now, you can't bring the man on here and then tell him to share his story and, and enlighten the people <laughs> to who he is and then be like, oh, you talk too much. Stephen Fontana, good guy. I never, whoa, I never said he talked too much. I'm just, <laughs> I just said I made a reference five minutes ago to make a good segue and it got, got forgotten about. That's all I said. I don't know, man. That that comment was kind of petty that uh, I made a, a segue five minutes ago and <laughs> I am level 459, total traffic count of 7,967, with 126 plats in 125 games with a brand new platinum trophy, Teenage Mutant Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. 
that you got while you were streaming today. I streamed today on my Platinum run, yes. And it felt good. It felt good to do it with the people. And Tricky admitting that he doesn't know jack shit about Ninja Turtles. I never said that. No, it, uh, okay, so I, I was, you know... Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go and try to bring me down... I'm not. I'm going to explain things. I'm going to give some context for my comments. Okay, before you do that, while you were streaming, for some reason, when you popped the Platinum, it didn't show up on the stream, so we're going to have to figure out what was wrong there. Maybe you just weren't good enough to see my Platinum Trophy. Well... Maybe Twitch wasn't, because okay. I went back and watched the video just to double-check and know. Uh, no. right. Steven's uh, on board. No, no, it's, <laughs> I was, you know, I was doing my, my talk and playthrough of Treasure Binge. You know, Tricky says I talk a ton, because I literally just try to talk at all moments while playing a game. You know, because for How me, there's you? so much to talk about when it comes to playing that game. Like, I'm like, oh, reference, oh, reference. Do you do that when you're just by yourself in a room? I do not sit there and talk to myself. While I'm playing, the only time I talk to myself is like, I don't know, when I'm like, oh shit, this, like, I, you know, I fuck up and I'm like, fuck, shit. Like, I don't really just sit there and talk to my, I don't provide commentary for myself. That's all in the head. But when you're on Twitch, people expect you to talk because they go there for that conversation. Like, you know, a lot of people, I assume, will just put Twitch on in the background and maybe listen while they play games. I don't think someone's just sitting, like, a lot of people are just sitting there hardcore at their screen, staring at a screen, watching somebody else play a game. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I know there are people that do that, but you got to have the commentary. You can't be just dead silent. So, but I was making my way through fighting the so bosses. Ridicule me now, huh? I said, you know, ridicule me now because you know you think I don't know anything about the turtles. No, I'm not ridiculing. It's like like I would be fighting Dimensionalis bosses, and Tricky's like, I have no who that who I do who that is, and I'm like, really? These are like these were the part of the toy line back in the 80s and 90s. They were part of the cartoon. They were in like Turtles in Time. Do you not remember these characters? I'm not going to mention anyone specific, but I mean, you at least know who Baxter Stockman is. That's that's good. Okay, Stephen. Yes, I'm going to go back into the chat here. Um, and if you want me to name name the the offending names that you couldn't recognize, <laughs> then I'll, I'll I'll gladly mention those to Stephen. All right, Stephen. Do you know who Wingnut is? Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes, uh, I had the Wingnut toy, but Wingnut was also in the cartoon. So the cartoon kind of went off the rails at the end. Um, where they introduced basically a new character every week just to sell toys. It was like the 1992-93 time, like, before they canceled the show. So you're going to get a lot of those guys. There's a lot of weird, weird ones. Um, but what about Metalhead? Metalhead is a staple. Metalhead is was an early staple. Wow. Um, every version of Ninja Turtles has Metalhead. Every version has Baxter Stockman, the Rat King. Um... Of course, you know Toka and Razor, but those were from the movie, the second movie. I have movie. no idea. Uh, Slash, of course, uh, which they made into Spike in the second Turtles cartoon iteration, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, there, there, there was only one that I didn't immediately know the name of. It was the Triceratops guy. I just couldn't remember his name, um, but he was big in the show, too. Um Okay, so yeah, Steven, so what, the first one that set this off was Tricky didn't know who Ground Chuck and Dirtbag were, and oh man, they they were they were some of my favorites. Like I, I know they haven't been around a ton. I mean, they were in the toys, they were in the cartoon. I know they're obviously not as big as like Rocksteady and Bebop or even Token Razar being in the movie, right? You know, they they were like they just released new toys of them. You know, for like all this sixty dollar two toy package they're doing with NECA and, and Nickelodeon. So I mean, they've been around. But you know why they were so memorable, don't you? Because Manhattan children, Project? no, because children got to say dirtbag. 
<laughs> children were saying dirtbag and getting looks from their parents like, excuse me? Oh, like, it's his name. His name is Dirtbag. I'm like, oh, goodness. Okay, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, they 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 got us to say Dirtbag. It was great. <laughs> See, Steven's on the level. No, I, I was just... Tricky is, you know, obviously in our generation, he's the same age as we are. So, like, the fact that he didn't know all these... Like, Metalhead was really the one that, like, you really don't know Metal... Because he's played yeah. Turtles in Time. He's played Turtles in Time. And clearly... I played Turtles in Time years ago. I, I barely remember. You that. need to go back and play it again, then. You need to. I, I don't like side-scroll beat-em-ups. Like, uh, one of the games that Steven was there actually talking about that he got the Platinum in that I... That, uh, what was... Was, uh, Square Boy. Oh, that game was terrible. I cannot beat a certain level in that game. Steven went right through it. I cannot play side scrolling beat em ups. But I, I, how? I find them extremely annoying. You can't you can't just get through them like you No, because you know you know what it is is Okay, I was watching you play Shredder's Revenge today and there's a dodge feature. Most of those games don't have a dodge feature, so no, you th- get this into is a very battle. modern. Say again? This is very modern in, in its in right. its gameplay so, elements. For sure. So when you get when you when you're fighting somebody, and, and somebody comes up behind you, it's not like you could dodge out. Like you see the guy coming up to you, but you're fighting this guy to the left, and a guy on your right coming up, and you can't really dodge it, so you wind up taking the hit. Yeah, you I, just got to be know, careful watch- not to get into a combo there, to where you're just stuck in a combo, and they can come up behind you and hit you, or you got to do the reverse hit. You punch one in the front, then you punch one in the back. Well, yeah. okay, tricky. Watching Don't, you you're, play you're Red today, I could probably play that, but. Yes, well, like Square Boy, I cannot play. You absolutely can play this Turtles game, Shredder's Revenge, because so back in the day, the obvious philosophy was to get as many quarters from the kids as possible. So you were squishy. The enemies were very tough. Um, it was unforgiving. The console versions of the games kept to that, but added a little bit of ease with the continues and all that stuff. But the design philosophy never really changed for those. The idea was for you not to complete the game in as easily. You had to memorize. You had to play over and over again and memorize where enemies come from. And remember their patterns, the boss patterns, uh, all that fun stuff. Where where enemies, how many attacks an enemy takes to kill is important. Like you start to learn all that color coded enemies and and all that fun stuff. And especially if you're uh, you know, a huge nerd like my co-host Andy. Um, he just he's all about that. He knows every single enemy. He he has no death runs of multiple levels right now in Shredder's Revenge, or no hit runs. Not even no death, no hit where he doesn't even take a hit. Um, so it's possible. You you it's much easier with the dodge mechanic, the specials mechanic, the taunting mechanic is huge in that game. Um, if you could get away, taunt, get a special, keep that up. You, I mean, leveling up your turtles, like, what more do you want? You can level up your turtle. Um, but I have, I have it on good authority that we may be seeing this on PlayStation Plus soon. Okay, so maybe I shouldn't buy it then. No, because we need DLC, and we need extra characters and more levels, so pay the money for it. You're the one, you're the one that gets on your grandstand saying you should pay full price for games to support developers. Steven, when you say soon, are we talking like in the next month or two? Uh, no, not in the next month or two. No. Um, by 2023? By my, if if I'm correct, if what I've been told is real, it should be by September. Ooh, nice birthday gift for me. So, we'll right, see. I'll, I'll hold off and buy it then. All right. 
Uh, Everyone remember this when Tricky tells you to go out and buy full price games next time. <laughs> it was also um it also had a discount. It was down like thirty percent or twenty percent at launch too. Could have got it there for like twenty bucks, twenty three bucks. Uh well right now I can save ten percent with PlayStation Plus and get it for twenty three or twenty two fifty. Oh yeah, that's worth it, man. It's so worth it. Like it uh I you could play with six people online, like it's great. I'm buying it right now. I'm yes. supporting it with my money. And and like yes. I said with this stream, like I've played, I've grinded and gotten the platinum trophy. I've gotten all the turtles and all the characters up to level ten, and I'm still not sick of the levels. Like I still enjoy playing the game. So for me, it doesn't get old. And is it only a PS4 game? Yeah, you can't get it on PS5. You can play it on the PS5, but it's a PS4 game. Correct. And it, it, let me, I'll tell you this though, Tricky, it runs beautifully. Okay, so. I I want Alice to look at this camera as soon as it focuses, just to confirm. I I just bought it. There it is. Start yeah. download. I see. I see Shredder's Revenge on your phone. Now now you're gonna want to help with that Shredder, that Super Shredder trophy. No, I'm gonna do it legit because I'm not gonna cheat like you guys. Oh really? Wow, cheater! Pumpkin eaters. Did, did, I I know you didn't. Uh, I know you don't listen to the show anymore, Stephen. But uh, a bunch of people decided to call me out for cheating. And then the very next week, admitted to cheating themselves. And what you, I did, listen, I, I, I pay attention. I pay attention to your conversations, to, to your absolute asinine diatribes over what's cheating and what's not cheating. And I have to say, you guys, but you never comment. No, because it's asinine. It's stupid. You listen. If you're obviously doing something that is outside the design of the game, you're cheating. But if you're doing something that the game allows you to do, you're not cheating. I mean, come on. What are we doing? What are we talking about here? So I think I think that's a Stephen vote of confidence in me right there. All right, so Stephen, let me let me ask you a question. We're yeah, ask me what. Details. We're, we're not going to go into details about the situation, but would you consider uh, Turbo on a controller cheating? Turbo on a controller. Uh, yeah, that's cheating. How is that cheating? Because it's not meant, the game doesn't mean for you to use turbo. If there's like a way that you could turn turbo on in the game, that's not cheating. If you're using a third party peripheral that adds turbo, that means it is enhancing the speed at which you can push a button. Okay, so when you have button mashers uh -huh. and you use a pencil, a bunch of buttons to do like test your might in Mortal Kombat, is that cheating? No, you're doing the work. Same shit. No, it's not. It's the same shit. No, it's not. Is the controller doing the work, or are you doing the work? The only difference between Turbo and me using a pencil is the fact that I get to hold down a button instead of taking a pencil and going back and forth. That's still, the only you're, difference. You're still moving your hand. You're still moving your arm. You still have to go quick. I, I'm moving my I'm moving my finger on onto the button and no, holding you're it down. You're just holding. That's that's ridiculous. That is the laziest. That's not only cheating. That's the laziest form of cheating. I I didn't bring you on the show so you could troll me, sir. I'm not trolling. I'm gi I'm giving. I don't even know who falls on what side of the argument. That was you. I'll give you an example. I one of my platinums, one of my one of my most proud platinums on my list was the original Infamous. Okay. Okay. I cheated to get that. I downloaded a save file so that I didn't have to play the game over again to get the evil ending, and I went. To eat, I had a save file that had each of the moments that you needed for the evil playthrough. Loaded it up, played that part, got pinged the trophy, 
uh, loaded the next one, pinged the trophy, loaded the next one, pinged the trophy, loaded the next one, did the final boss fight, and then pinged my, my platinum. That's that's straight up cheating. Sure. Absolutely. It sure is cheating. I didn't use a turbo controller, though. I, I, did, I fought the bosses. See, Tricky wants to come on, and I'm not talking about this specific instance, but Tricky wants to make just asinine arguments, and then when people call him out for being wrong, he just accuses them of trolling him because he thinks that everyone's just always going to be against him for any, anything regardless. Oh, no. I, I had no idea who was on what side of the argument. So, no. Not me, sir. It, it, it's Listen, I'm, you cannot deny, Alex. And Steven, I know you've been out of the game for a while. You cannot deny, Alex, that when I put a poll out there, there are going to be people that even though I'm a thousand percent right with facts and you, you have never been a thousand percent right. Say I'm wrong. <laughs> that will still say I'm wrong. I think that you overplay it. I, I think that oh you get more of a fair Lord. shake than you believe. Uh, all right. So. so because yield is level four hundred seventy five with uh, eight thousand five hundred sixty trophies and one hundred fifty four platinums. Sid is level six hundred three with total trophies of twelve thousand six hundred ninety eight with two hundred eighty eight platinums. And Steven, what are you, sir? I'm level three hundred apparently, which is pretty cool. That's nice. Uh, total trophy count twenty seven forty, and I have eleven plats, baby. All right. Uh now I'm now I'm distracted. Okay, so uh, Steven. Yeah. I, I'm glad you're here. Oh, well, that's good, because you invited me. Because uh, me and you can actually have a conversation about something that's been uh, a very big part of both of our lives up until recently. Interesting. Um, Because I, I can't really talk about it with anybody else on the show, because they're not fans. Oh, man, if you're... if. Ugh. This is gonna. I, if I haven't already made the worst first impression to any new listeners who haven't listened to the show in a in a, in a few in a while, this is just gonna really bring me down. But okay, I, I know where this is going. Let's do it. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> uh what are your thoughts on the Rangers season? Uh, they overachieved. They had no business being where they were. However, when they got where they were, they had no reason to, that that they couldn't have won. Um, they played every other day for seventy two days. That's a lot of hockey, and they were exhausted. They were broken, literally, playing on broken ankles, a broken pelvis, a broken wrist, a broken thumb. Um, just, I'm immensely proud of what that team was able to accomplish. And always, when you get that close to a championship, which, let's face it, we were three wins away from going to, the, or two wins away from going to the Stanley Cup final. Um, they when you're that close it's always it always stings because you never know when you'll be that close again but i'm confident with the core that this team has the contracts that they have for next year and beyond the wiggle room they're gonna have while it's not great it's it's enough to to put a competitive uh third and fourth line on, on the ice to support the, the you know the stars of the show and the core um they'll be good they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be fine um the rest of the conference is getting weaker um, while the Rangers are only getting stronger. And if you have Igor Shosturkin, you should be competing for a cup every year until that guy leaves. So, Okay, I, I have to say something that's kind of blasphemous. Blaspheme, okay. Up until the season, I was not a fan of him. I did not think he would he would hold his own. I'm very happy he won the Vezda. 
which anybody does know means he was the best goalie in the league. But I was not a fan of him until this season. Well, I had no faith in him. Well, I I listened to a few uh, Rangers podcasts. Like most of my podcast listening is sports and wrestling. I don't I don't really listen to much anything else. But um, one of the things you have to know about Igor Shosturkin is that he's never lost. Um, every single level he's ever played in, he's been a champion. Um, any level, juniors, uh, everything, anything he has ever played, he refuses to lose. And when he got his dick kicked in those first couple of games in Pittsburgh or, you know, game three and four, whatever it was, um, you, you saw his, his brain switch and he just became uh, just a absolute monster, but that's who he is. He's not going to lose. He doesn't like losing. He hates it. He's more competitive than Henrik. If that's even possible. Um, he's better than Henrik in natural, oh. in pure talent. He is. Oh, he is. In whoa, pure, whoa, whoa. He is. He is. In pure talent, he is. Even Henrik would admit it. And he has admitted it. Um, he's he's just so fundamentally per, like sound. He does not make fundamental mistakes. You, he oh, He's always playing the right angle. The guy plays the puck better than Henrik could even do in his dreams, which we know because he was terrible. Um, that I will agree with. And uh, he's just he he makes those acrobatic saves better than anyone I've ever seen. He's pretty much on par with like a Mike Richter as far as the acrobatics. Mike Richter wasn't a fundamentally sound goalie. He always made the crazy like how did he make that save saves, and that's what kept them in games because he was caught out of position so much because he was so little. He was very quick. Um. And then Henrik came along and it was like, oh my God, this is what like a really, really good goalie is. Um, and Igor's just better. Um, and when they when the Rangers decide that they want to score five on five, um, they're gonna be unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh last Ranger question, then we'll go on with the show. Yes. It, in your opinion, who should be the captain? Chris Kreider. I, I can agree with that, but I think it should be Mika. I think Mika doesn't want to talk. He He's not a talker. And I think uh, Kreider, like there's been interviews where Kreider is like stood up for him. Like, the, I don't know if you saw that one interview where or one press that they were doing where somebody said something kind of negative to Mika and he just put his hand up at Mika and like took the question for him. Like he loves Mika, but Kreider's clearly the leader. In that in that locker room, I think once Kreider's gone, it's going to be Lafreniere's seed aware because that guy is fucking unbelievable. Like he showed just how good he's going to be in these playoffs, and I'm very excited for it. All right, I I, I promise no more Rangers talk. All right, so let's get into what we're playing. Uh, Steven, we'll start with you. Oh man, I'm playing a lot. I actually just started Guardians of the Galaxy out of on a whim. I just I've had it downloaded. For so good, isn't it? Ever and uh, I'm loving it. I'm only on chapter three. I just started literally like a, a half a, a day and a half ago, but I didn't play anything yesterday. Um, yeah, really good. Um, I love that style of game. But if I'm gonna say what I'm really been diving into, um, is I've been playing a lot of V Rising, uh, which is a really cool game, but it's not on PlayStation, so I don't want to go too far into that it is a steam uh release it's a pc release um because again i play a lot of indies so like that's kind of where i'm at 
Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to, you know, very quickly, uh, V Rising is just a it's a survival um, it's a survival game where you're playing a vampire and the villagers are ba you're basically the the villain, the monster, and uh, you're hunting and killing high profile villagers and gathering resources and building up your castle and getting cool powers and it's Diablo-esque in the way the combat goes. And I could see this thing coming to consoles and, and doing very well as well. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been playing a lot of that. Um, as far as PlayStation, I'm always on that apex. You know me, I'm always on that apex legends. Every, every Saturday night I play with the homies. Um, yeah, but that's, that's really it. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm playing guardians right now. Um, I'm going to get through that. Uh, obviously Elden Ring, I'm still slugging my way through that. Um, which I did, I just think is such a phenomenal video game. Elder Ring is just so good. Um, that's, that's about it. That's where I'm at. All right. Alex? Before I, I kind of go off, uh, Steven, you being the, yes. uh, a big fan of the indie games, maybe a game you've played that I haven't, well, I definitely haven't played it, but maybe you've played it. Chicory, Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Have you played that? I saw it's on sale and it looks like a, a very, uh, I like the style of the game, so I was wondering if it's it's worth a purchase. Not only have I played that game, but I also interviewed the creator of that game on the Dual Screens podcast. It is a phenomenal video game. Um, very cute, very relaxing, very uh, very well done. Um, if you like freedom of exploration and just kind of figuring out how the world works and and all that stuff, it, it's. It's just a really chill game. You could sit there, play, play with the kids, play with, you know, play with the, the lady and, you know, that kind of thing. Just it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful game. It absolutely is worth it. Excellent. Sounds like a good accompaniment to my plane of Assassin's Creed Origins when I don't feel like, you know, always going around and and doing reconnaissance and stabbing and just, you know, yes. living the life of it's Assassin. It's very good. It's a good palate cleanser for sure. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you. So it looks like pretty soon I'll be playing Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Uh, but until then, uh, I've been continuing my Rocket Pass and Rocket League, been doing the Jurassic Park or Jurassic World season, I guess, in Hot Wheels Unleashed, got the Platinum Trophy in Turtles, uh, Treasure Revenge today, obviously, and then, uh, so, you know, stream that today, going to hopefully, after editing this episode, stream a little bit of Assassin's Creed Origins later this week, can't promise a time now, but uh, we'll let you guys know when that's going to happen. And really, that's about it. You know, I've said all I can say about Turtles. You know, I just, I love that game and everything about it. But I did want to make a comment. Uh, you know, we, we talked about on the Facebook page this week, we had a big discussion on beat-em-ups. And I kind of wanted to, I, there was an article in the LA Times, an interview that uh, Jean-Francois Jean Major, uh, the co-founder of Tribute Games, uh, shed some insight on the game. Share, I should say shared some insight, shed some light on the game and just kind of its development. And uh, I just want to read a quote from the interview he did with the LA Times. He says, Another modern invention, uh, each turtle moves at its own pace and comes with its own set of fighting abilities. In the older games, says Major, uh, the turtles all share their own moveset. But even here, the team referenced vi uh, vintage designs, going back and looking at the six-player X-Men coin-operated dual-screen arcade game from the early 90s. One objective, says Major, was to essentially ensure that the game felt different no matter how many people were playing. So they took inspiration from the X-Men coin-op arcade game in making this game to help make the Turtles all feel different, and, you know, including Casey Jones, Splinter, and uh, April O'Neil. And you see that even in the enemies. Like, when you punch an enemy, the different classes of enemies 
like they react differently. Like the way that they, you know, react to the punches and take them is, is a lot different. All the different turtles have, you know, when they fall in the holes in the sewer holes, they all have different sayings, they say. They don't say the same thing. They all, you know, all their specials are different. All their, like, thrusting attacks, their dive attacks, or I should say slide attacks, they're all different. So they put a lot of effort into making all the turtles and the characters feel different. So I just wanted to share that. I thought it was very interesting that, you know, a very lauded, uh, praised game. It was X-Men. People still love to play that game. We had it in one of our barcades um, recently before they took it out. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting how they went back and looked at the older beat-em-ups, but yet still, you know, paid homage to the older games, but also made this game feel so new and, and, and fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that's all I've been playing. Yeah, JF, uh, Jean Francois, he, he, we've actually interviewed him three times. Um, he, he's a great dude. Um, we met him when he was plugging, uh, Panzer Paladin in like the corner, a, a corner booth at PAX, like a tiny little thing. And then the following PAX, he, he like had a giant thing for Panzer Paladin. Um, and just really good people over there. They know what they're doing. Tribute is, is phenomenal. Um, Streets of Rage for, uh, really like they, they. I look forward to what they're gonna do next. I hope they continue with the Turtles license. It was a huge pain in the ass for them to get this Turtles license. Um, it was a very long story that was only told off <laughs> off the record. So, um, well, I, I'm, I'm not gonna was, I'm not gonna tough. make you go into it, Stephen, obviously, but I do want to say that from articles and interviews he's done. It seems like Nickelodeon's first, you know, when they were talking about doing a game of Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon didn't suggest the turtles. So, like, they had to push for the turtles. So, yeah, they they wanted lots of other things and, like, did not understand that this version of the turtles, this very specific version of the turtles is going to sell. Like, they in, in, in their mind, this is a 35-year-old IP. This isn't a – the turtles – like they look at the turtles as like a segmented IP. There's this turtles, there's that turtles, there's the other turtles, there's the movie turtles, there's the uh you know explosion turtles from uh, what's his face the uh uh the, why am I thinking uh Bay uh Bay Michael Bay yeah uh you know like they're all different fragmented versions and and IP so like even convincing them to do this version of the of the of the turtles and that it would actually sell and be popular um, was a hard enough sell as well. So yeah, it, I'm, I'm just so glad that we got it. Um, I hope we get like a, a honestly, I'd rather them do a new game every year. And I've said this on, on our show as well. Like I, I like just every year, just come out with a new story thing to, to play through. It doesn't have to be 40 bucks, but or 30 bucks, but like, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want them to add to this game rather than make a whole new story or whatever, but I digress that I, whatever they do, I trust them at this point. Cause they have, they've had three home runs in a row now and I'm just, I, I support them. Tribute is just, they're phenomenal. And, Do, and Dotemu, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. We got the best Street of Rage game that's ever been made in the last three years. And we got the best Ninja Turtles game in the last three years and the level this year. Exactly. So doing good work over there. And it's it's crazy to hear you say that like Nickelodeon like sees it as such an older IP and wonder if it would sell. But yet you go to Target and you see them partner with NECA to do all the old like you know you see all the old villains like Wingnut and Groundchuck and Dirtbag. And you see people like Ace Duck and Scumbag and like they're making new toys built around these characters. So it's like so you're yeah. gonna put out these these toys, but yet then when it comes well, to the games, yeah. But think about who's buying those toys, collectors like. 
collectors, peep men, grown men that grew up with those turtles, like they're gonna spend forty dollars a figure, like that. So they they know that the audience is there for that. But like as far as a, a video game that you know cartoony video game, they're not so sure that the thirty four to forty year olds are gonna be buying that. But they were very wrong. Oh man, were they wrong. All right, so I have a bunch of things I've been playing this week. Um, I've been playing Golf Furious Racing, played a little uh, Skywalker Saga, a little bit of Rockman 4, a little Patapon, a little Ape Escape, a little Injustice Gods Among Us, some Rogue Company, Mortal Kombat 11, Burnout Paradise Remastered, uh, Batman Arkham Origins, obviously Division 2, and I tried today to play Super Stardust Portable, which we got for Essential, which is the uh, PSP version of the game, and it is absolutely unplayable on the PS5. Absolutely unplayable. So obviously you're referencing all these games because you have PlayStation Plus Premium. Uh, well, no. Yes, but I... Uh, the only games that I got from Premium were Ape Escape, Patapon... Oh, IQ. I don't know why that didn't pop up. I, I finally played IQ. Um, I'm looking at my list. Which is crazy because you haven't told any of us how you feel about play the PlayStation the revamped PlayStation Plus. And I figured you would have opinions. Alright. So Okay. Strap in, kitties. It it, it it depends on the game, honestly. Uh like I like I just said, Super Stardust Portable. Um You guys have played Super Stardust. Well, a version of Super Stardust, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in those versions, you use the left analog button to move around, you use the right analog button to shoot, and whatever various direction you push the right analog button. Some reasons they decided that in order to shoot, you have to use the sacred symbols buttons. Like, you have to use X, and mm-hmm. you only can shoot in that direction. So it is impossible to shoot in a, in a, a direction, or a diagonal direction. And if you decide to turn around and say, okay, well, I'm going to change the shooting to the analog button, it changes the shooting to the left analog button, and now you move with the the sacred symbol buttons. Yeah, that's how that worked on on PSP. (laughs) No, in the PSP, you use the other analog button to shoot. You could shoot in different directions. If I wanted to shoot to the top right, I just moved the analog button to the top right. Now I can't shoot that. I can either shoot up, I can shoot right, but I cannot shoot top right. So, it depends on the controls of the button. Obviously, they didn't go back and update these games. You're running off some kind of emulator. Uh, Ape Escape, it looks rough, but, you know, it's... it's Hold on. Tricky. Tricky. PSP only had one analog stick. No. Excuse me? The the PSP had two, didn't it? No. <laughs> it had one. Get out of here. It had the face buttons. That, like, all the shooters use the face buttons as you're, as you're aiming. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. That's why it does that. Yes. Absolutely. Then why was it so hard? Because the PSP was garbage. <laughs> like, I, I will, I will like look at pictures. Look at it. It, doesn't, it only has the left analog. You're- Wow! Why do I remember this thing being the second? That was the Vita. Button. Is this the Mandela the effect? The one that, yeah, it probably. must be the Vita. Put that second one in there. You had me thinking, like, wait, am I? No, it totally did not have a right analog stick. Okay, I I stand corrected, but I 
I honestly remember there being a second analog button on there. No. Okay. I mean, they should. You're you're not wrong. They should update that. <laughs> like, it, let us use the friggin' stick. It's there. Like, whatever. But no, they they just took they drag and drop this bad boy for lack of a better term. Yes. All right. So all right. So take my little speech that I just gave it. Uh, forget I just said it. I. Damn, I honestly thought there was a second analog button on the PSP. All right, uh, so Ape Escape, I mean, it looks rough because obviously none of the, you know, the PS1 games did they update the graphics on. Uh, Pad Upon, I just don't have the patience to stay in rhythm, so I don't think I'm going to keep playing that. Uh, I started going back and played Arkham Origins, obviously, because, you know, the community was talking about getting the the, uh, multiplayer trophy for eight players, so... uh, I already have offers that when I'm ready to do that, but I don't know if I'm going to go through and get all of the challenges because the challenges in our Arkham games were rough, and Arkham Origins arguably is the worst Arkham game. Um, and yeah, uh, but yeah, and IQ, I love IQ, playing it, frustrating as hell, but I love it. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to Alex who uh took a dig at me on Facebook when I said I was playing IQ. Did I? I what? What? Oh, yes, I did. I did. You absolutely. You did. said you want to test your IQ in public, and I'm like, "Are you sure?" Or you said you want to test your IQ live on stream, and I'm like, "Are you sure you want to do that in public?" It's just a little friendly jab. You feel the love, Steve? I, I, I don't know what I should say. Oh, hold on, Alex. Should I go for the jugular? Oh, you should always go for the jugular. Don't let him come <laughs> back at you. Don't give him a chance, Steve. Oh my god. It's 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 only considered in public if people are watching. <laughs> Damn, it sounds like <laughs> Sounds like one of the Rocket League streams we used to do. <laughs> I I've lurked in the chat just to see if Tricky says anything ever. Well, oh, see, that's the thing. Okay, <laughs> I will I will fully admit that when I'm playing a game, I don't talk. And I know like I was pointed out when you're on Twitch, you, you need to talk. But when there's when people are lurking, because I've seen you lurk, because your name pops up on my uh, viewer list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say things, but I, like if somebody's there, I'll have a conversation with them. But I, I just don't have it in me just to dictate, uh, notate every single thing I'm doing. Like that, that's just not in me. Like, I don't want to talk about, hey, I'm shooting this guy, or hey, I scored this goal, or whatever the case may be. I want to have a conversation with the pe- my my chat. I mean, you could give insight to the game. Like, you know, I, I think that the only, if you're talking minimally, the only way you can get around that is if you're doing, like, a trophy guide, and people are, or like, you're doing some kind of guide, like, hey, find this collectible, where people are, like, they want to they want to watch the video specifically and don't cover whether you're talking or not. It's just like, hey, right. do this step, go here, this is where you need to go. I think you can get away with it there, but if you're playing a game and people are going to watch you, like, the conversation, that's, like, you know, that's the most important part of it. All right. Uh, let's go into our topics. Now, this is where it's going to get confusing. I, I realized this as I was putting the agenda together. Because our first topic is coming from Video Games Chronicle. Uh, yes, I did. Got an article, not from IGN, Alex. I'm, uh, I'm sure it's not just me who's been crying for this. <sighs> well, you're the only one that says something. Uh, so, the... the the article's title reads, July's PlayStation Plus Essential Games Have Been Revealed. Um, so I realize when we do our first show of the month every year, or, or every month, uh, we normally give you the PlayStation Plus games. 
now it seems like we're going to have to do this. And it's a little confusing because one article says these are the games we're going to get with Essential. Another article said these are going to be our free games, like our normal PlayStation Plus games. So I don't know where this lies. They're the same thing. Are they the same Essential, thing? Essential is the baseline plus now. I thought Essential was the second tier. No, Essential is, is the first tier. Extra is the second tier. Extra. It's a, okay. Yeah, Essential literally means, like, this is what you need in order to have plus. This is Essential. This is what you need to play online. PlayStation Plus, Essential. You're going to get your your couple of games that we you know you gotten with your regular PlayStation Plus. Extra is going to have a little bit of the extra. Look how they did that. And then, uh, what is it, premium or whatever the hell premium. they call it. Okay, so... so uh, then okay, then I got confused with the the marketing tips. Right, yeah, so you know why tricky because their marketing is fucking awful. Their their messaging is. I have never been so and and you Sony has done stupid shit in the past, but this is I the whoever is in charge of the the um I don't know, and marketing maybe not even the word but just explaining this to humans needs to be fired like and buried somewhere and never allowed to do anything that sees public again it has been horrendous how they have messaged this the changes okay we uh, we need to get into th- i mean i'm sure you've you've gone into this before but like it, why 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 change words why ha- i understand you'd want tears but why do the like just say hey if you want to keep your PlayStation Plus, no problem. You you now have PlayStation Essential. Nothing changes. Cool. But you could retroact. You, you know, we'll we'll do the math for you if you want to upgrade to this. You know, no, they're like, oh well, you you'll have it for this an extra nineteen seventy three uh, for the next three months and twenty seven days and four hours, and then you're going to be billed at one ninety nine ninety nine for the next twelve months. What? What is happening? Right now, PlayStation. Why are you doing this to me? Just why? I I can't explain this to people who don't play games. You know what I can explain? Go get Game Pass. You get a bunch of games. Yeah, but the games you get for Game Pass are oh no, excuse me, I think that no, you're thinking games with gold, which is another which which believe me is another stupid thing they need to just get rid of over there on the other side of the aisle. But like. All right, so <laughs> it's so, so the dumb. games are gonna be getting for so the free games are gonna be gift PlayStation Plus, which is rumored right now. It hasn't been confirmed. Are supposed to be Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time for the PS5 and PS4. The Dark Pictures Man of Medan for the PS4 and Arcadian for the five and the four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Man of Medan is uh, was not thought of, was not reviewed very well. Um, as far as these chronicles games uh the the latest one the quarry is really good um but, but that's not a part of the, the but that's not part of the dark dark yeah but it's from it's from that 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 group but yeah it's uh this one's not very good all right uh alex obviously you're a crash bandicoot fan you're gonna get the five version you're gonna play it again i well i can already upgrade to the five version because i have the four version so i don't need to oh, there's no upgrade to you for that i don't i don't think so I mean, who knows? Maybe okay. I need to double check into it. It's, I thought it's almost like you didn't need this one, which is not essential at all. <laughs> but no, I I own both Man of Medan and Crash Bandicoot Four. Haven't played Man of Medan. Just kind of been sitting there on my PlayStation Four. But uh, Crash Bandicoot Four is a very good game. So 
if you're not challenge averse, you should definitely play it. I mean, it's free, so you should play it anyway. But it's a very, very good game. And uh, you don't have to give any money to Activision. Because fuck Activision. And um, Man of Medan, I, you know, even, I, I, who knows, maybe someday I'll go back and play it even d- despite the reviews. Maybe I'll just see, because I, I do like supermassive games, mostly because of Until Dawn, but, you know, that's enough reason for me. Alright, and moving on to our next story, which is coming from IGN, is written by Billy Givens. Sony has announced its decision to skip Gamescom 2022, adding PlayStation to the expanded list of publishers that won't be making an appearance at the popular annual convention in Cologne, Germany. In a statement to German publication Games Wurstcraft, Sony revealed they would not be attending Gamescom this year, all, all, while also confirming there would be any PlayStation-based announcements during Jeff Keighley's opening night livestream. Through Gamescom, long reigned as the world's most attended games expo, it made the move to streaming based in 2019. This year marks its return to the partially physical show, but it seems that many of gaming's biggest companies are choosing to pass up on the opportunity. Nintendo, Take-Two, and Activision Blizzard have already announced they won't take part in the event, while the verdict is still out about Microsoft, though it's looking increasingly unlikely due to the company's limited first-party lineup for 2022. Granted, news of Sony skipping Gamescom isn't entirely unexpected, as PlayStation has been known to skip major ga- game shows over the past few years as it shifted its focus to short-form ter- short state-of-play streams showcasing its newest partnerships and upcoming first-party games on its own time. Uh, Steven, I know you haven't been on the show, uh, and me and Alex have voiced our opinions about PlayStation skipping these and doing their state of plays. Where do you fall on the whole uh, E3 press conference, state of plays? Like, what do you prefer? Um, It's always nice to have more of the pomp and circumstance of these events as, as a consumer um, just to get around the hype and, and all that stuff. But like, I could see from a business perspective that that is completely unnecessary now. Um, the state of play way to do things and and all of that just seems to be the new norm and i'm okay with that uh gets everybody to kind of be on 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 uh equal footing like it's not about who had the you know andrew wk do their opening number and you know how many different venues did playstation walk people through um like it's not about that it's about the games um and that's that's what I take out of this the most is like we're focusing on the games now. We're not focusing on the spectacle, and and I am for that. Although it is sad to see gaming lose more and more of the spectacle events um, in general, I still appreciate the focus on the games with the directs and the and all that stuff. Uh, Alex, I will go to you, but as I said, we you know. We, we've we stated our pieces on these state of plays before. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's a huge cost savings for Sony and other companies. Like, you know, you would go to E3 or PAX and you would see, like, these giant dragon statues, these giant displays for, like, Twisted Metal Black, or, like, sorry, Twi- the new Twisted Metal, and just all these different, you know, uh, properties and games coming up. You know, just trying to market everything, and you gotta figure not sending people there, not having to build these, gi- you know, erect these giant, you know, uh, set pieces not having to, you know, held these giant stage shows, like just having to direct over the internet people can watch and just tune in for a half an hour. Like it's got to save them a ton of money that again, they can put back into the games. 
So if there are people out there who are saying, stop spending money on all these remasters and stuff, I'm going to be the guy saying, stop spending money on all these lavish conferences and just beam it directly into my television or my phone or my computer and let me watch it online. And spend more money on the game's development and, you know, your staffing and stuff. All right. Moving on to our next article written by Adam Bankhurst over at IGN. This is a fun little article, I figured. Uh, I, I, I like hearing about stuff like this. Call of Duty is now punishing cheaters by taking away their weapons. I'm going to read the whole article, so please go give it a click, because I think this is funny as hell. The battle against cheaters is unfortunately one that will seemingly never end, but Activism's team, Ricochet, continues to come up with inventive ways to combat these never-do-wells, including punishing them in-game by stripping, of, stripping them of all their weapons. Team Ricochet detailed its latest progress in taking the fight to cheaters in a blog, and it revealed that how it continues to work to make Call of Duty Vanguard and Warzone a better experience for all. It began by discussing how anti-cheat solutions work like antivirus software, there is no simple fix to take down cheaters, but as they're constantly working on new ways to outsmart these from trying to stop them. Fortunately, the Ricochet anti-cheat has continued to learn and evolve and is getting better at the speed at which we can recognize the players are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. One of these bad actors is detected they are hit with one or all of the tools from the team's mitigation toolbox. This not only proves to be a nuisance to the cheaters, but also helps the team gather data to stop them in the future. One of these tools is the damage shield, which enhances the player's protection against cheaters. This allows players to realize they're being shot out and gives them a better chance to enact revenge on the cheater. Cloaking is another mitigation technique, which makes the cheater's victim turn invisible when they are hit, making it impossible for them to see them anymore. Disarm is the latest tactic being implemented, and when cheaters are detected, Ricochet Anti-Cheat simply takes away their weapons and prevents them from even punching or using their fists. Mitigations are meant to stop cheaters in the game long enough to gather data that will help Team Ricochet stop them in the future while reducing their ability to impact the legitimate player's experience. Mitigations are great and all, but bans remain the biggest deterrent to cheating, and Team Ricochet has banned over 180,000 cheaters since its last update in February. I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's real interesting to see how they're tackling cheaters um i remember there was one where and I'm, it must have been the first one that you mentioned the uh damage shield but uh the cheater the bullets weren't doing anything to the to the other person so i thought that was really cool it's like okay well stop playing stop cheating you fuck um i'm curious out of 180,000 cheaters since february 2022 right how many of them do you think are the same cheaters like percentage wise, probably a lot, right? Like, like probably more than half are because, the same because person. Because the, the problem with banning, the, with the way they're banning players, and I, I honestly, I you know, I'm just speaking this as a player thing, uh, from what I've noticed, what they're doing is they're banning the accounts rather yeah. than banning the IP that the people are coming from. Well, they, um, I, I think they also have banned IP before, but they, they use VPN, so it doesn't matter. That's also a good point as well. Yeah. Uh, but, they like, I, I watched uh, Tim the Tatman play, and, you know, he's gotten a couple ba uh, cheaters banned live, and he's also talked to some of the cheaters, and one of the cheaters says this is his 18th Call of Duty account. Right. 
you you would think after like maybe the first sixteen, they would stop cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean because the cheating is, it, it's it's fun. You know, it, it's still thought of as a harmless activity, right? And and in all intents and purposes, it is pretty harmless. I mean. It's a video game, like, like let's really zoom the microscope all the way out and see what we're actually talking about. We're talking about a video game. Now, I understand people spend a lot of money on these games. People, uh, they compete in, in high-stakes uh, tournaments and stuff like that, but typically, you don't get cheaters during that, you know? like you'll, And if you do, you get a high-profile article written about it, like, oh, this pro gamer's cheating, yada yada. But in really... Yes, it does ruin the experience, but, like, you find them, you get rid of them, you make something funny happen to them, like these cheats, and you kind of move on from it. Um, I I don't I don't play Call of Duty anymore because, you know, f- fuck Activision, but um, when I did and you did come across a cheater, I would usually just laugh about it and just ready up for my next match. Like, what am I going to do about it? I'm just not – I'm not that guy that loses my mind over that kind of stuff, but – it is funny. You you are right. Like I think that they they should just do more of this. Like, ha, like I want to see a t I want to see a T pose one where they just go into T pose mode and just run around the map T posing, um, and can't do anything. But they're just looking there, like just with their arms spread wide open, or like upside down mode where they just flip the player's screen upside down and they can't figure out what's going on. Like just do stuff like that. It's it's it makes good content. So these cheaters are gonna you're you're gonna figure out who they are because they're gonna want to put this content on the internet. And, and you know, I, I just I I just don't have a good troll. If you if you recognize if the system recognizes they're cheating, make every person that they killed while they were cheating come back as a zombie and only attack them. <laughs> or just give them like take 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 the the death away from them. You know, like be like, okay, this doesn't count towards your. KD ratio. You didn't die here. Sorry about it. Kind of thing. Alex, what do you think about all this? I mean, when it comes to cheating, I think that it has potential to do more damage to the game itself and the developers than just the people who play it. I mean, yeah, you spend money in a game, and if it's a multiplayer-only game, that can be the shits, because you're you're not having a good time. It's like, why did I waste my money on this? But for the, the brand itself, it can be pretty damaging. If you just got a bunch of cheaters in the cesspool, then all the people who are legitimate are going to say, I'm fucking leaving, and what is your game left with? So, you know, I understand, like, I mean, this kind of stuff, while, you know, Steven said it's not the most important stuff in the world, you know, if you own the IP, if you're the makers, you want to make sure to quell it as fast as possible. So I totally get it. And the funnier, like, the best possible way, like, the like I, I like to see the new ways that they invent to punish cheaters, and, you know, it's funny. I, I think it's hilarious, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're somebody out there that's trying to if you think it's fun to try to, you know, ruin the game experience or get a leg up, then, you know, just you get what you deserve in this, you know, whether you get banned or whatnot. So, yeah, I'm all for it. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm like you guys. I like, Give me some popcorn and let me just watch this. Let me see all of the new ways that they can invent to uh, to ruin games for these people who, in turn, ruin games for other people. All right, moving on. Our next article is coming from IGN. It is written by Ryan Liston. Ubisoft's longtime CEO, Yves Kumont, is voluntarily taking a $327,000 pay cut for the upcoming year. This is a personal decision, which he took considering the company has not reached the financial targets it had publicly communicated to the markets, a Ubisoft rep said. Guillemot, 
usually essentially waived his annual variable compensation, which is a bonus on top of his usual salary that fluctuates based on the financial performance of the company. His pay cut was not announced by Ubisoft, but instead was tucked away in the fine print of a recent company filing. However, it follows a disappointing year for the company, which saw its operating profit fall by around 14% from last year. The pay cut equates to about a third of his annual compensation, reducing his compensation for the following year to around 556000 This does not include the stock awards that won't be available until after 2023. The majority of the pay cut was linked to the company's financial performance, meaning that even if he hadn't voluntarily given up this amount, it's unlikely he would have seen an amount anywhere near to what he's used to. So, uh, Stephen, I'll go to you first. Do you feel like him taking this pay cut is... Considering what I just read, that like this company didn't do as well, do you think him taking this pay cut was just, you know... Voluntary, or he's like, "Well, I'm going to lose this money anyway, so why not?" Just it, it's do a it? marketing thing. It, it's it's all for optics. Um, Ubisoft has been struggling a little bit with their optics uh, in in recent years. Um, they haven't really had a true banger um, in a while. I think, um, yeah, this is just optics. It's it's a good faith thing. Um, see, look, our our big big CEO did the, took big pay cut because we. We're doing the struggle bus. No, no, no crunch. We promise. You know, that kind of thing. Alex? Yeah, I mean, to to degree, maybe that, but also, you know, I, I feel like if you're in charge of a company and you have all these bonuses set in place for when your company does well, and the company's not doing so well, you know, you need to take the hit. And in general, like, it need, it doesn't need to fall back on the people making the games and the people making less money. You need to fall back on the, the people who generally make way too much money anyway, which is the the CEOs and the big wigs and the the leaders in the company. But I mean, as you said in the in the article, Tricky, like they didn't really announce this. They kinda hid it away. So I mean it's I don't know how much press they're trying to get for this or how much, you know, they're trying to market this, this idea that, oh, you know, look how good we are. Our our CEO is, you know, taking this pay cut. I I don't know. It, it seems like they tried to bury it. So I don't know how much of how much performative it is. I, I think that, you know, in this situation, you would like to think that Eves is doing the right thing, and it's like, well, the company's not performing well, and I'm the guy. So if that's the case, then I got to take the hit. Well, I mean, yeah, but 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 you know that there's people that go in and dig into these financial reports to find all this information. It, it, I kind of feel like they put it in there and say, oh, we're not going to say this to the public. We're just going to wait for somebody to find it, and this way we get good press for our CEO taking a pay cut. Sure. I mean, it's it's conspiracy theorist, you know, tinfoil hat, but like, I I I do think that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to some degree, it's it's always going to be performative because I mean, they could have not said anything at all because at the end of the day, I mean, I guess when you're reporting to shareholders, like, yes, that kind of thing, you have to you have to disclose that. You, yeah, you can't not disclose that. But at this, you know, I don't know. So maybe partly performative, but I don't think it always is. I think they could have left it a little bit more unearthed if they actually wanted. It to get out easier, you know, somebody is someone always going to find it. Probably, there's way too many people digging at this. There's way too many websites looking for news. There's way many people looking into the financials. But again, you know, it it was going to happen one way or the other. So determining how much is performed is a little difficult. All right, moving on to our next article coming from IGN, written by Gook Riley. 
Tony Hawk has confirmed that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4 was planned to follow in the slipstream of the successful 2020 remake of the original two games, but the project died following Activision's decision to officially merge developer Vicarious Visions into Blizzard. The skateboard legend discussed the decision to abandon the plans for more remakes during a Twitch livestream with Andy Gentile, who is a former Neversoft designer who also served as senior designer on the first two remakes. Quote, that was the plan, even up until the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. We were going to make 3 and 4. Then Vicarious Visions got kind of absorbed, and they were looking for other developers, and then it was over. According to Tony Hawk, Activision ultimately unimpressed with the proposal it received for further Tony Hawk games, so the project never went any further. Quote, the truth of it is that Activision were trying to find somebody to do 3 and 4, but they just didn't really trust anyway anyone the way they did vicarious visions so they took other pictures from other studios like why would you do that with a tony hawk title and they didn't even like anything they heard and then that was it i wish there was some way to bring it back i mean who knows but maybe when all the dust settles we'll figure it out you never know i would never have imagined we were going to do one and two 20 years later end quote so there's a casualty with the uh merge into blizzard I know we have some Tony Hawk fans, that's why I wanted to report on well, that. Well, I mean, Vicarious Visions has always been a very sturdy studio for Activision, always done pretty good work. You could rely on them to do a lot of things, and the fact that, you know, and I, I think that's something that we had probably talked about on the show, is them losing some of their identity when they were just merged into Blizzard. You know, where do all those people go? And, you know, the name Vicarious Vision, Visions, if you followed games as long as all of the three of us have, that's a name you knew. It's a name you knew pretty well with inside of Activision, so, you know, it's... When they got merged in, I'm sure that, you know, a lot more than the company's identity kind of got lost in the mix, but you also have these projects left on the table that Vicarious Visions would have probably done really well with. All right, Steven? Yeah, I, um, I'm i so glad we didn't get 3 and 4 remake. Um, I I just, we don't need that. Uh, I, I, I know it's, it, it sounds good on paper, but like 1 and 2 revolutionized skateboard. It like basically started a skateboarding movement in this country and, and really the world. Um, and it tickled, it hit its nostalgia. Everybody got their fill. I just, if you're going to do three and four, you do one, two, three and four, you don't, I, I don't know. It, to me, it's just, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with this not existing. It sucks for, you know, the people that make it, people who are passionate about it and all that stuff. But like at the same time, not for me, I, I, I don't, one and two was good enough. It was, it was fun. Let's, let's make something new. All right, the next last story before we go into our topic of the week, also coming from IGN and is written by George Yang. Sucker Punch is looking to hire some new talent to work on what appears to be an open world game with action and stealth elements. First spotted by Tech for Gamers, the studio's career page features listens of a variety of roles, including technical combat and senior combat designer, as well as an encounter designer, which makes the combat designer list and stand out all the requirements. The senior combat designer listen in particular asked, uh, quote, do you delight in knowing the details of an attack or par- parry timing and count frames, end quote, which brings to mind sword combat. In addition, the roles as applicants have played previous Sucker Punch games, suggesting that they need to be familiar with the studio's games and understand their core mechanics. This could point to the studio's next project being a follow-up rather than a new IP. Uh, so the rumor is Go uh, Shishima uh, 2. Um, while Sucker Bunch hasn't announced anything yet, 
Ghost of Tsushima ticks all three of those combat boxes, so it's possible a sequel is in the works. If the potential combat designers need to have played the previous Sucker Punch sales, then having played Ghost of Tsushima is definitely helpful. Another franchise that can fit the bill is Sly Cooper. These games are platformers with light stealth elements, though, and the last entry was 2013 Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, so perhaps Sucker Punch could revisit the series by introducing an open world with improved combat and stealth mechanics. And, of course, there's also the possibility Sucker Punch is working on a brand new IP. So, uh, Alex, I'll go to you first. Do you think this is for Ghost of Tsushima, or a new Sly, or a new IP? As I'm sure many of our enlightened listeners will remember, Sucker Punch on Sly Cooper 4, it was Sanzaru Games who developed that. It wasn't Sucker Punch. So it seems like Sucker Punch has given up the Sly Cooper IP, unless, you know, they are just gung-ho about making another one. Uh, I think that they've kind of left that in the past. And also, didn't you say Sword Combat? Well, it's, it says that... Um, hold on. Let me go back to the actual quote. Um, the quote was, Do you delight in knowing the details of an attack or parry time and account frames? Which brings to mind Sword Combat. Okay, well, so, yeah, there, there's not going to be... In, George Angus... There's not going to be any parrying in Sly Cooper. That's just not going to happen. So, it's more than likely Ghost of Shima. Can anyone name... I know we haven't, we don't know if Returnal is a one-off, but can anyone name a, a big Sony studio that has made just a one-off AAA game in the past that hasn't turned into a, a series? Well, that that was going to be my my point later, but uh, no, I can't actually. Yeah, not not off the top of my head for sure. And you know, they they Sony is looking to turn these games, you know, God of War, Horizon. We've got uh, four or not fours of the Gran Turismo. Like, they're looking to turn these into multimedia properties where there's television shows, and, you know, we just saw the Uncharted movie. Ghost of Shima is going to be a series. They're going to make more games, and it's probably going to end up on the on the television or the big screen, on the, uh, in Hollywood. So, yeah, it's going to be Ghost of Shima. You know, they didn't lay all this groundwork with the director's cut and Ika Island and, you know, just planting the seeds even within the story of Ghost of Shima to kind of let this go. You know, they, they created a new character in, in Jin, and they're going to keep going with it. That That's the goal of all these companies, is to make a game that you can turn into a series and continue to profit off it. So, if... Well, let me let me throw an idea out there. What about a new Infamous? I don't know that Infamous wants to deal with parrying either, because that's specifically like a, a, like a, like a, a sword combat thing. I mean, I guess you can have it in other combat, but it's weapon-based combat a lot of the time, and I mean, Infamous, yeah, you could have open world, but again... It, every you know, it seems like Uncharted being kind of one of the the holdouts for this. But when the Sony Studios, being you know, Sucker Punch, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, what have you, whenever they go to a new you know IP on a new console, that's their focus, and then eventually they create something new. They don't really hang around or go back to what they've been doing. So I don't necessarily think I, I just like. Creating Ghost of Shima and then going back to Infamous wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. It just wouldn't. I think that Infamous has kind of had its day and it's, you know, there may be more Infamous games. There probably will. But as far as like, hey, one of our biggest studios, our biggest and best and brightest is working on, oh, another Infamous game, that's not going to happen. All right. Uh, Steven, before I go to you, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, I have an answer to your question about a big AAA game that didn't get a sequel. Days Gone. Okay, well, that was directly, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true, but also, you know, they, it was set. I don't know if it was set out right, but you know, 
there was word there was words or there was kind of winds and rumors that they did that that game didn't perform financially as well as they wanted. And again, I'm telling you, it was too close to The Last of Us, and they didn't want to do another one. All right. So, uh, Stephen, what do you think? Um, it's probably ghosts, um, and it probably has to do with multiplayer, um, because that that whole situation was very successful. Um, it's probably ghosts. I would hope it would be. I would rather have a new Infamous than a Ghost right now because Ghost seems like so so like close, um, but it looks like it's probably going to get the Horizon treatment. We're going to get one, and you know it's second one, and we're going to get our God of War, which is technically like the eighth one, but whatever. We're going to call it the second one, um, which is fine. Um, I agree, it's a reboot. Um, but yeah, I would I would really like for them to to do something more with the Infamous. Uh, franchise just because you could do so much with powers you could do a superhero thing you can make a superhero universe um and i you know i love that kind of stuff that's science fiction superhero story like that's i know that they have spider-man you know sony has spider-man they're about to have wolverine i get it but like i can't wait for that game i know i know but having their own ip that they don't have to license from anybody and it's their superhero game like i just i just like that idea um that's that's the old fashioned in me i guess all right all right so we don't have any listener questions uh but i'm still gonna play the sound bite just to annoy joe Fair. um and um uh, we don't have a sophie trophy this week because sid told me that uh he was alone with his kids and didn't have time to record because he couldn't uh, find a quiet place to record. So he's going to return next week with a Sophie's Trophies. But, uh, Steve, I don't know if you've ever actually heard the soundbite, so I have to ask your opinion. Um, so, we don't have any list of questions, but uh, like I said, I just want to annoy Joe. So here's a soundbite. Time to check my social media. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't remember your opinion. Do you like it? Don't like it? Is it annoying? How do you feel? It's annoying, but some things that are annoying are, are okay. Okay. So you're only the third person that ever said that's annoying. Everybody else loves it. Oh, no, no. It's annoying. It's a, it, I mean, it's definitely an annoying sound. Like, it's an annoying sound. But it's fine. It's funny. I don't hate it. All right. So, our... Topic of the week is coming from IGN and is written by Le- Ryan Leston. Um, he wrote the article. I'm not going to read the article other than just to give you a tidbit of news, which is going to lead us into our conversation. Um, it's official. Overwatch 2 will replace the original Overwatch at launch. During a Reddit AMA, Overwatch 2 director Aaron Aaron Keller confirmed that the upcoming Overwatch sequel will replace the original live service game when the game launches in October. Quote, when Overwatch 2 launches on October 4th, it will be a replacement for the current live service. Uh, end quote. In other words, the original Overwatch will no longer be, be playable once the new game releases. Instead, players who try to play Overwatch will be prompted to update over to Overwatch 2. Blizzard is pursuing this model in order to retain a unified player base. Uh, while the sequel was originally announced back in August of last year, Blizzard claimed that Overwatch and Overwatch 2 players would be able to play side-by-side when playing the game, same game modes. 
The original plan allowed Overwatch players to play on the brand new Overwatch 2 maps as the new heroes. Then game director uh, Jeff Kaplan said it was a, quote, shared multiplayer environment where no one gets left behind, end quote. In other words, multiplayer PvP would have been possible across the two titles. All right, so I'm not going to read the rest of the article, but the question I'm posing to you two gentlemen is, is this the wrong decision to make for the people that have Overwatch that don't want to buy Overwatch 2, but still want to play Overwatch that you're shutting down the game and telling them that you have to upgrade to keep playing the game that you paid for? I mean, isn't that the risk we run with all? I mean, we love the fact that so much of everything is digital these days because it makes, you know, it cleans and, you know, there's no clutter at our houses. We don't have to move stuff. And it's just so easy to access the games and switch from game to game. But with stuff like this, you always run the risk that the game is going to shut down and there may be a sequel and you're going to have to invest more money. I mean, out of all the time these people have played Overwatch, is it not, you know, is it not out of the realm of possibility to say that you've gotten your money's worth out of the game, playing the game? I mean, I understand that it sucks, you know, that you can no longer access a game, but don't we kind of understand this is going to happen sometimes with the way that things are all, like, not all digital, but pushing towards an all digital future? It, I mean, it, it's the same, it's the, it's the same game. Like, you're not losing a game. Um, it's, it's like when DCU, oh, has like a massive update and they call it DC, what was it? it they called it something else, right? Um, oh, no, no, that, that was Marvel Unlimited. Remember, like, Marvel was just like, shit, I forget the name of that game before it became Marvel Unlimited, but they just rebooted it. Like, they just updated it, made it, put a new coat of paint on it, and it's the same game, you, same people, you know, you go in, you play the game. The, I don't know what deserves to exist less, uh, Overwatch 2 or The Last of Us part one re remake i i don't know <clears throat> this is just fucking asinine just make it a they're making it a game of service that's what they're doing it's a game of service nothing changes nothing so basically changes. instead of like like with rocket league when they when you had access to the game and then they just made everything free to play but everyone who owned the game before still got access to it you essentially they're making this game a a game of service where they're turning into a platform now but Instead of being grandfathered in, you're going to have to rebuy your access to the exact same game because it's changing to a platform. No, they, you don't have to pay anything. Oh, you don't. Okay. Because so, it's free to play. So, okay. So some things to, to point out is Overwatch 2 will be free to play, which means it will be an easy transaction. But one of the things that's causing the controversy is that Overwatch was a six versus six, where Overwatch 2 is going to be a 5v5. So there is a slight change in the game itself. You're going to lose one player on each side. I don't know how big of a deal that is, but that is a change. And like I said, it's I don't play Overwatch, so this isn't going to affect me at all. I don't play first-person games. This isn't going to affect me at all. But it is a fact that you have paid for Overwatch for a 6 versus 6 model, and now you're being forced to upgrade to a 5 versus 5 model. You're not having to pay anything for it, but it is essentially taking a part of the game away. I, I mean, agreed. I don't, I don't know. Like, but games change over time, and they add new modes, and they take stuff away. Like, is is getting you know, is it change going from six v six to five v five? Is it really worth? Is it really that much of an offense? I mean, I not having played or spent any time playing Overwatch, I just don't know if this is something that should seen as like a grave offense by the developers, even though it's you know, Activision. I mean, I, I 
like I said, I don't know that that's an issue. Like I, uh, I mean, it just said in the article it says it, it's likely that the transition from six v six to five v five is what made the two versions of the game incompatible, and that's why they're pushing Overwatch to be upgraded to Overwatch two. To me, honestly, I don't see the big difference. Like, as you pointed out, they, they make upgrades to games all the time. They they give features. They take away features. This just, to me, I mean, like I said, I have no skin in the game. But this, to me, seems like you're you're forcing people who paid for a product that played a certain uh, way of the game. And now you're taking away a core element of the game. I mean, they did say that all the, all the content from Overwatch was going to be uh, automatically put into Overwatch 2, so all the legacy content, while adding the new maps and the new systems, all that was going to be transitioned over anyway. So it's not like anybody's going to be losing anything other than the fact that, like I said, Overwatch 2 is going to a 5v5 model. Uh, I don't know. It's like Again, I don't have any skin in the game, but I, I just think there's something inherently wrong that somebody that paid $60 for the original game is now being forced to upgrade to a uh, a model of the game that typically they did they may or may not have wanted. I don't know how big of a deal it is. I like I maybe it's just you know people just on the internet screaming into the void, but this is seems to be an issue. I the way that I look at it is you know like I said game change over time, and I I think that them going from a five a six v six to a five on five would hopefully be based on analytics and people say, and they say that, okay, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't see it as a, a, a direct screwing over the players. I think that maybe just sometimes, sometimes developers are like, okay, this potentially needs to change and this could be a change for the better and we'll try it out. I don't know. Like they had to have tested this somewhere and I, I they, you aren't going to just, it would be easy just to make an Overwatch 2 and, you know, keep it 66 and have a bunch of new maps and new characters and stuff. And, you know, that would be easy. But, you know, trying to fundamentally change the game or, you you know, change the game in a way that seems, you know, to you and I is not a big deal. But maybe to people who play it is a big deal. Like, they're not going to just do that on a whim. They're going to, you know, put some thought into this. And to me, the biggest thing is they're, all the legacy content is going to move over. So, you know, if you think about a game like you're you're playing one game and you accrue all this content and, you know, whatever is skins and whatnot, and all of a sudden you go to a, a two, and that stuff just kind of dead wall, like, just walls you, and it, it's like, okay, well, this is left in one, and you can't bring it over. Like, that's where the big issue would be, I think. But the fact that they're moving content over, I don't know. I think they're trying to make the game, I would assume they're trying to make the game better by doing this, and making it free, and moving all over the legacy content. I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's a big offense here, but who knows, maybe if I played, it's like, you know, Rocket League going from, instead of offering you know the standard is 3v3 but you know maybe they're like okay we're gonna make the standard 4v4 or 2v2 you know if if 3v3 weren't an option anymore then that would definitely suck and i think i mean i I think that it would be you know it would change the game for the worse so who knows maybe if you if i was you know keyed into that that universe if i played those games maybe i would care more but i would see this as a hopefully a change for the for the better and a decision that was thought out by the developers I mean, the the best equivalent, again, I, I I can't really speak to this. I mean, only you can right now. The best equivalent I can think of is that, let's just say, they upgraded Shredder's Revenge to a PS5 model, and they said uh, you can no longer play six-player co- co-op. It's now down to four-player co-op. It's a free upgrade, you ha- and but you have to do it 
but now you no longer going to get six, six people to play with. You can only play with four. Like that's the best equivalent I can give to. And I don't. Again, I don't know if that's that, that big of a deal. I mean, honestly, the the six player co op is nice. It does get extremely chaotic, though. I mean, when it comes to beating the arcade on hard, it helps to have more people. And you know, if you're trying to beat Super Shredder without taking any damage, it definitely helps. But at the same time, it's like. Would I not want to play the game anymore, or would it, you know, honestly, the game would still be just as fun with four people, so, I mean, I, I think it'd be fine still, so, that's another instance where, you know, it's nice to have the option to play with six people, but at the same time, like, at that point, it gets really chaotic, and would you really be losing anything by going down to four? The game would still be just as fun, and you could still get, you know, a great amount of help from people in arcade and story and whatnot, so, that wouldn't be a big deal to me, to be honest. All right, so let's wrap up the show. Uh, let's do some shout-outs. Alex, your shout-out, sir. Well, I want to give a shout-out to the community, the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire, the shrubby horse. Thank you all for supporting the show in any way you do. Uh, basically, it's it's the heart and soul of our show. Without a community, we would not do this. So you guys are the ones who drive us forward, and we owe you big time for that. So uh, thank you again for just everything you do for us. And you know, any way you interact with us is very much appreciated. Give a shout-out to... Tricky and to Yield, who could not be here tonight, and especially to our special guest, Stephen. Uh, again, go go listen to all the content he's doing over there on dualscreens.com, him and Andy. Unfortunately, I'm glad I got to, to podcast with Stephen. It's always a good time, but you know, again, still sorry I could not get my internet to cooperate to conversate with Andy, but uh, they do great work over there, so definitely go check out what they're doing over there on dualscreens.com. And uh, you know, an indie podcast. You know, usually that kind of stuff is lumped into a bigger podcast or a bigger news scene where you're talking about AAA games alongside indies. So the fact that they're doing an indie-focused podcast, which is something they specialize in, I think is definitely a nice touch and, you know, will definitely be beneficial for the community. Uh, And last but not least, uh, oh, give a shout out to, again, to Tribute Games for a fantastic game in Turtles uh, Shredder's Revenge. Best Turtles game ever made, best beat em ever made, and a game that I definitely consider a uh, game of the year contender. So tribute, hopefully they've got more planned or, you know, decide to do more with Shredder's Revenge, but if not, I'm totally satisfied with the game they put out. It's magnificent. Last but not least, I'm going to give a shout out to my awesome and loafing girlfriend, Ashley, who went out and uh, we went together to the Renaissance Fair in uh, Eminence, Kentucky, the, High- the Kentucky Highland Renaissance Fair. Had a blast again this year, as always. Drank some meat, drank some wine. Got to see some some wonderful shows. So, yeah, love the Renaissance Fair. If you live in Kentucky, it's definitely worth going. And that is going to be the end of my shout-outs. All right, Steve, your shout-outs? Thank you so much for having me on here. It's great. I hope the community uh, has an idea of who I am and why for the last, I don't know, four years you've had my name in the beginning of the intro. Um, I appreciate you having me. Shout-out to all the gamers. Shout-out to the indie devs that are keeping these these generation this generation afloat. Um, and I really hope that we get some really cool stuff, uh, from these main, especially the big three in the next two years. Thank you for having me. All right. And I want to give a shout out to all the listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, shout out to sweet mama D and if there's nothing else until next week, happy trophy hunting later.
song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines. 